Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. Today is a don't miss episode. I am so excited about my special guest. In today's chaotic world, it seems that no one can avoid toxic thoughts, depression, or anxiety. Our mental mess is frequently aggravated and sustained by an inability to manage our runaway thoughts, but we shouldn't settle into this mental mess as if it's just our new normal. There's hope and help available to us in cleaning up your mental mess by world-renowned neuroscientist and best-selling author, Dr. Caroline Leap, the solution is offered in five action-oriented steps called the NeuroCycle, where she shares practical application and strategies for readers. Lean in for this insightful conversation as Dr. Caroline Leap shows us that we don't need to be held captive to our thoughts. Instead, we can capture our thoughts and reduce anxiety and stress. Welcome, Dr. Leaf. It is such an honor to have you on the Make Life Matter podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Angela. It's lovely to meet you, and I'm very honored to be with you. Well, I just finished reading Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and prior to that, I read Switch on Your Brain, both powerful resources. Thank you. Thank you. I want to talk about cleaning up your mental mess. I know there's a, some similar overlaps in those two books. They're both powerful and unique in their own ways. And you make a couple of profound statements about the fact that we aren't just a byproduct of our biology. We have a lot more control over our thoughts than maybe we have actually thought before. And as a faith-based podcast here, that's encouragement to us because we aren't just victims of our thought life. You say in cleaning up your mess, if you don't shape your life, it will shape you. And that this is done through mind management. Can you explain that just a little bit more for us as we launch into this really insightful topic today? Oh, absolutely. And that's a great way to start the discussion because mind management is first cause. Managing our mind and our mind is the, is, is the absolute essence of who we are as humans because we aren't our brain and our body. And I'm going to hold up a little model of the brain and the body. And our current, a lot of the current philosophy today talks about how our mind is produced by the brain. But if you hold up a dead brain, first, a dead, it, it won't do anything. You can stare at it all day long. But our brains at the moment having this conversation are responding and and there's a lot of activity going on and we can see that through the different types of brain technology. And so what is making the brain respond? It's the mind. Mm. So the mind is this powerful force, this ability that we have to be alive and experience the world through our thinking and our feeling and our choosing. So mind is how we think, feel and choose. And as we think, feel and choose, we then use the brain. The mind shows up in the brain and the brain and body then respond. And it's this relationship that we actually have agency over. And it's, it's, it's amazing because we, as we are thinking and feeling and choosing, our brain is changing in response and we can actually direct that change. And the changes that are made in the brain become the roots and um, of what we say and what we do. So it's 
It's it's an experience. It's the mind processing. It's into the brain. It gets built into the brain as literally as a tree. And then from that, we speak and do. And we can actually control that process both ways. We can control the building process and we can control the reconstruction process. And by the reconstruction process, I mean how we show up in the world, what you're saying, what you're doing, your behaviors, your relationships, your emotions, all that stuff that is us in life can be tracked back to a thought. And the thought can be tracked back to a source that built that where the thought came from in the first place, which is related to the experience. And if we don't like what we're seeing and if it's affecting how we're functioning, we can actually deconstruct and reconstruct that and change how it plays out into our future. So therefore, we can't change what's happened to us, but we can change what's in us. And that's where the hope is. It's, it's phenomenal to think that, you know, we're not just a victim. We don't, we, we can't, we're not helpless. Um, it's terrible. We, we can be victims of all kinds of terrible things, adverse circumstances and traumas do happen, will happen, have happened to varying degrees, but we can do something with that, that can help us then to process and move forward in a more healthy way. And that's what I mean by mind management, is learning how to understand that process and manage the process. Mm, It's so powerful and it's empowering to realize that we're not victims of our thought life. So Summer, what are some of the warning signals, Dr. Leaf, that we need to be aware of that we can recognize before they take over our mind and our life? Well, some of the, there's four main categories of warning signals and they come from the fact that we, when we build um, a thought, when we, we build thoughts in response to experiences and when we build thoughts in response to experiences, we are using our thinking, feeling and choosing and we build that into our brain and in our DNA and in our mind. So whatever experience you have, and we're all having experiences all day long while we're awake and until we go to sleep, all of those become part of our physical nature, our brain and our body, and also get built into the mind. And the mind, you've got gravitational fields and electromagnetic light forces, the work that Einstein did and so on. And essentially, when we build these thoughts into our body, we see from the psychoneurobiology research, which is the field I've been in for 38 years now, psycho meaning mind, neuro meaning brain, biology meaning body. So this mind-brain-body connection, spirit-soul-body dimension, whatever you want to call it, we see from that that we are actually wired for love. And what that means is that we don't have any structures in our brain or our body, and I'm holding up a, a model of a brain and a skull, there is nothing in us that is wired for any level of toxicity. What we are wired for is managing toxicity because toxic, toxicity and making a mental mess is an inevitable result of free will. Mm-hmm. Free will. We do. We we have the freedom within free will to make choices. That's how we learn. We make a mess. We repair the mess. We grow. We move forward. So we as humans are basically built to have messes through the process of experimentation and then learn from those messes, repair them, and grow. And that's essentially mind management. So to come to to your answer, to bring, that was the foundation for answering the question. So what are the signals? What does that mean? Well, what that means is that every thought, that um, every thought is actually the product of our mind. And our mind is how we are experiencing life and building it into the brain. So when I say building it into the brain, that experience gets built into your brain as a thought tree. So that's why I use the analogy of trees. And if you've ever watched me anywhere, you'll see I'm always holding up the green tree and the toxic tree. So this would be a healthy thought. And then this would be a toxic thought. 
And we don't have wiring for this. We have wiring for this. And we have wiring for capturing these. You, we have wiring to make these messes, but we, the whole point is to catch them, repair, and grow and learn from them. And that's the process of taking the, capturing these and renewing them into these, which you can hear bring all thoughts to captivity and renew them and all that stuff. So I've done the science behind that concept, the mm. science of understanding what does that mean, what do we do. So in order to find these are going to generate healthy signals. So these will generate, it's easy to understand from the positive um, healthy things like um, peace and, and joy and excitement and, and and deep intuition and all that kind of stuff and um, our, beha- our body will feel good when we have these healthy thoughts I'm holding up the green tree for the listeners and our behaviors will be constructive and productive and healthy in our relationships and creative and our perspective is is, is one of, of a healthy perspective of life that I can manage these things, I can move forward life is not so bad, bad things happen but I can move, it's that kind of thing so those would be generating those kind of signals so when we get those signals they're coming from a healthy thought and we have healthy behaviors however when we have a toxic thought those categories of signals now become toxic so what uh, what happens is that the that we then will generate things like depression anxiety frustration anger and those um and uh, uh, foggy thinking and irritability and and um problems in our relationships and perspective of life, life sucks. And those kind of things are warning signals. They're not illnesses. They're not brain diseases. It doesn't mean you have a mental illness. It means that your brain, mind, and body or psychoneurobiology is sending you signals working for you, not against you. Signals that your wired for love nature has been um, challenged, is being challenged. Your survival, your goodness, your godness, your made in God's image, all that stuff is now being thrown out of alignment by an unmanaged toxic a thought pattern in your life that is producing these behaviors. So instead of seeing depression as a clinical brain disease or anxiety as a clinical brain disease, which is how we are told the narrative of today, which is not at all scientific and very unhelpful and has produced terrible results when it comes to helping people, um, rather than seeing it as that, see, see those signals as helpful messengers. So these will generate helpful messengers. And what it is in essence is that your brain, mind and body collectively have this wisdom, which we know is coming from God because it's the wisdom connected to God saying, okay, there is something in you that you need to pay attention to. So pay attention. So when you feel depression, that's not who you are. It's a signal that there's something going on. When you feel fogginess in your mind, when you feel a lack of creativity, when you see you're more irritable, when any of those signals are telling you, any of those signals will group together to form patterns and they're basically telling you to pay attention. And when you pay attention, the minute you do that, you then start to weaken the toxic thought and then you can go through the whole process of embracing, processing and reconceptualizing this into a more manageable version that's healthy for you. So it's not that you're going to take away the rape or the trauma or the COVID or the pandemic or the loss or the grief or the financial or the whatever has happened, but you're going to change how you view that, how you manage that and how that affects how you're functioning. So you're going to convert it into the healthy sort and that's reconceptualizing it. And that's a process that takes time and that's a mind management process and that's what the neurocycle helps to do. It helps you do, it's the process I've developed over 38 years of, of research and clinical application to, to give people a tool that this is how I can use my, get my messy mind to talk to my wise mind to Mm. clean up the mess repair and grow Mm. it's so powerful and that that was a that was an amazing reader's digest (laughs) version of of oh my gosh I give big answers to big questions so (laughs) I hope that was okay it was powerful because it's it puts it in a way that we can understand 
this wealth of research that you are bringing to us, you kind of touched on a couple of things that I would love to just drill down a little bit more. You do talk about in the book, the dangers of these labels that we are wearing, that we are attaching to ourselves. And uh, I'd love for you to speak to that just a little bit more, why that is so dangerous for us to just label ourselves by our toxic thought, or as you described, by our warning signal. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, uh, it's important because a label locks you in. Mm. So brilliant that when we, at our core, we are these amazing human beings that can do something that no one else can do. And that makes so much sense because it's not about you and me alone. It's about us in the world. So we've got this beautiful specialization across the brain that is, uh, is, and the brain just reflects what's in the mind. The mind shows up in the brain. So the brain has to be complex because the mind is complex, but we have 200 plus specializations across the brain and yours are different to mine. Mine enable me to do what only I can do and you can and yours enable you to do what only you can do. But together we enhance each other because what I can't do, you can do. So therefore there's a principle of enhancement. And that's how why we need deep, meaningful connections, why we need to support each other, why it's not about I, I, I. It's about me in the world. And so that that's our design and that gets activated when we are operating in mind management. When you recognize, oh gosh, I've got irritable, I've snapped, I've whatever, and um, and you fix it. You recognize that you manage it you don't just bamboozle through the day irritable or staying in in a state whatever so the labels what they do because of this brilliance a label will actually because of the processing of our mind when someone in authority gives you a label you actually build that into your brain and you lock your agency into the label so now there's all this all this pain that has caused this interpretation, because there's the root, like, like you have a tree has roots. Roots are the source. So this could be the source of, let's say, maybe a terrible marriage where there's been a lot of abuse or a terrible ex- a situation as a child where you're bullied at school or the pandemic potentially losing finances and losing loved ones and the isolation. So the root is the source. And then the the tree trunk is how we are processing it. And then the branches are our interpretation and that's unique to each of us. So it's the interpretation. So this is toxic. This is going to be toxic. So if a child is abused, for example, they may, the interpretation is I'm worthless. I'm, I deserve pain, that kind of thing, which is not the truth, but that's where the person's coming from. Now that thought becomes the, the, um, the root of how the person acts out in their life, how they have relationships, how they function day to day, how they process the emotions, et cetera, et cetera, because they process through this. Okay. So this toxic thought then um, starts to influence how we function. And that's why we have to look at those signals and grab them and change this. Now to go to your question, just if you don't mind just rephrasing your question so that I just land this correctly. Absolutely. Just the danger of labels, because if we, thank you. I heard once a counselor say, it's not so much what happens to us. It's what we believe about what happens to us. So I feel like that's kind of what you're saying in a, in a much, Is what I'm saying. Yeah. much more profound way. But if we believe those lies and those labels and they stick, that changes everything from that point forward. Is that a kind of a layman's? Absolutely. That's exactly what you exactly correct. The label is locking you in. So this is now this whole thought tree. This is one tree with all these, these memories. There's lots of memories, hundreds, maybe thousands of, 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 um, details and emotions in this. And this, if, if, and that produces a signal, which is the behaviors and the emotions. And then those behaviors and emotions that this is producing get labeled by the professionals. Oh, you have clinical depression. Oh, you have ADD. Oh, you have ADHD. Oh, you are schizophrenic. 
whatever that label is, or and, and there's any there's all kinds of labels that then has kind of cocooned this toxic thought, yeah. and now that's become reality because you get the impression that well that's it. I can't change that. That's a fault in my wiring. There's a brain disorder. There's a disease. And that in itself sucks the hope and the life out of people. Mm. And it's very, very limiting. And these are very pervasive and insidious. So the, the root system grows very quickly to influence other areas of your life. So this one label can have a massive influence on all aspects of your life. Yeah. And those limiting beliefs, we have to challenge them and we have to know how to replace Absolutely. those limiting beliefs that we've either grown up with. They've been imposed on us as a Bible teacher, Dr. Leaf. I'm so intrigued by your research, because if I'm going to share with someone, you can renew your mind or you can take your thoughts captive. Second Corinthians 10 says we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Well, if I'm going to tell someone that. What I'm so intrigued with is you're telling us through science that science validates scripture and vice versa. Your exact phrase is we don't need to be held captive to our thoughts. Instead, we can capture our thoughts. And that is such a powerful validation. I don't think the Bible would tell us to do something that like you're saying, we are wired to be able to do that. Correct. Is that a good exactly. way to summarize that? It is. It is. It's very good. So there's a few points you've made, excellent points that you've made. First of all, we never just replace the thought because if you replace the thought, it's kind of like going into a garden of weeds and chopping off the head. And for a while you're okay, but the root comes back and you fall back into the old behavior pattern. So what we have to do is not replace, we have to reconstruct. We have to literally pull this out of the ground. And the only way you can do that is through embracing, processing, and reconceptualizing. You have to get to the root. You have to deconstruct and reconstruct. Mm. Okay, So that's the... The first point over there. And, it, and, and it, to do that, you are actually bringing the thought captive. So if there's a pattern in your life, which we all have, and this is like, this is not only some people. If you're human and alive, you have these patterns of behaviors because no one's exempt from levels of trauma. We all have different degrees of trauma. We've all had trauma in the past. So we need to be talking about trauma. Even that text that made you upset is a level of trauma. Mm. And that may be a small trauma, but it's still a trauma. It's still a toxic experience that creates this toxic protein tree-like structure that's real. It's made of proteins. It's not just some, it's not just some, um, psychological word. This is an actual physical structural change inside of your brain and your brain and body are designed to reject this because this threatens your wired for love nature. So it creates an imbalance. So mm -hmm. essentially that imbalance then is, is picked up and that's where the signals come from because the, the imbalance is saying, okay, send out signals. There's an imbalance. Let's respond to the imbalance. And that's those, the anxiety and depression and behavior changes and so on, like we've been saying. So essentially, yes, we've got to, to do all of that. We have to capture the thought we have to, which implies we have to have a, a level of self-regulation, which is mind management. So the science of capturing a thought and renewing the mind, which everyone says nauseatingly often, I mean, it's just spoken and I'm not being harsh. I'm just being, people say it over and over and over and over and over, but they don't do it. They think, okay, I'll take a scripture and or a positive affirmation or something and slap it on. Well, that's like putting a bandaid on a bullet wound yeah. or it's like, you know, using God as a genie and, and scripture as a magic potion. You can't have a behavior pattern and take a scripture and then 
just keep slapping it on because that is actually not dealing with the issue. We need to deal with our issues, which is what Jesus demonstrates when Jesus goes in the garden. Jesus actually shows us the model of mental health and daily mind management because we're supposed to get in the garden, which is face your issues, look at your patterns, look at what's going on in your life, go through the painful process of things get worse before it gets better. Why are you like this? What is going on? It's not who you are. Something's happened to you. So you've always got to work in this mode of kindness where you recognize, okay, I'm being awful at the moment, but that's not me. I'm like that because of. I'm in a mess because of. It's okay to be a mess, but let me get into the self-regulated, capture the thoughts, renew the mind. So capturing the thoughts and renewing the mind is mind management and self-regulation, which pretty much looks like, what am I doing in my life? Am I constantly now at the moment irritable or am I overwhelmed or am I keep saying I'm tired and stressed out? Am I battling with my marriage? Am I battling with my work? Am I battling with my my uh, siblings? Am I battling with my co- work colleagues? Am I battling with um, creativity? What is the the dominant pattern. And generally, it's pretty quick to identify the top three dominant patterns in our life. We can see those pretty easily. And once we get in the habit of understanding the top three, I always say take three because people take 10 and it's too many. Just start with the top three. That's a great number to get your head around and say, what are the top three things in my life that patterns, things they talk about? Let's talk about patterns. Patterns would imply my emotions, my behaviors, my body symptoms, mm-hmm. and my perspective because those always work together and they make Make a pattern, those four group together to make these patterns and try and find the top three patterns in your life. Mm-hmm. And then of those three, prioritize which is the one that's the most disruptive to me as a human, to who I know I am. There's this gut instinct that I know I can be more than this. I know that there's I know that there's going to be sadness and depression and anxiety. That's all part of being a human. But this point where I feel like I'm being like I can't function properly that's what you find first and that's what you work on first you take one thing at a time one pattern and then you start looking at that disruptive pattern number one and when you've done one you can then work on two and then three and by the time you've done that you found all the others and then this is a lifelong process because renewing of the mind which is what I've just described is um, that basically renewing it's an ongoing process capturing all thoughts means every single thought that we actually build and we build about 8,000 a day we have trillions in our brain and not all of them look like this not all of them are healthy so we are at the same time as capturing our daily toxic thoughts that we build in response to life and managing those on the ongoing basis. We need to be doing the work of trauma identification and toxic habit identification, which in itself it creates trauma in us. Because if we have toxic habits, we it creates toxic patterns, which then imp- impact relationships, which creates a trauma in itself. You know, so there's these cycles. So what I always propose to people, and I teach this in my book, I have an app as well called the NeuroCycle app, which walks you through it like me giving you therapy. But the pro- idea is that to, to learn how to capture all these 8,000 thoughts a day and these trillions of thoughts that we have and find the toxic ones and fix them, this is not just a quick fix. This is a lifestyle shift shift this is a and 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 the way i propose people do it is that they dedicate a 10 to a 15 to 45 minute time in the morning and preferably if you can't just find a time during the day when it works for you where you work through a very dedicated process that i've spent 38 years developing it helps the messy mind to talk to the wise mind in other words connecting in with your deep wisdom and connecting in with the wisdom of god and mm-hmm. And those five steps help you capture the thought, deconstruct it to find the root, and then reconstruct it to change how it plays out inside of you. Mm-hmm. And those five steps do a lot of, as you're doing them, it's a mind action. It's the wise mind working with the messy mind, which then means that we're pushing through the wise minds working with the messy mind to fix up the neural structure and the genetic changes in our body because we're 
score in all three places. And if you do this daily over 21 days, you will actually capture the thought and renew it. But then at the end of 21 days, this is not strong enough to actually impact your creativity and relationships and how you show up and your behaviors and all that stuff. This is only going to create a narrative of, okay, that's what I want to be. That's who I am. That's that's how what I can live with. That's an acceptable way of dealing with my past. And But it needs more depth. It needs more growth. It needs more roots to establish like a tree that just planted and just it's a little tiny shoot so you need to spend another period of time so i've worked out all these time frames because this has been the biggest thing in helping people and therapy worldwide globally for years is people what time do you spend to make these changes we want people are very good at wanting to make changes but they don't understand the time frames involved so a lot of my research has been around what are the time frames of change effective change in our life and so the 21 days the first 21 days where you're spending 15 to 45 minutes is when you'll capture the thought and renew it into this reconceptualized process but it's now a narrative it's it's the way you want to be but it's not strong enough you have to water that plant so you need to spend another just five minutes a day five to seven maximum for another 42 days and that's the stabilization process that grows this little new reconceptualized thought to the point where it can you can actually draw on it because we have to draw on our thoughts i'm drawing on thoughts now to talk to you about this you build thoughts to ask me these questions you're drawing on those as you ask me questions as you go into your next whatever you do next you're drawing on thoughts in order to do that. So whatever you say and do is drawing on an existing thought that has been built. As you use it, you add more, you keep adding more because you keep changing it. So as you go through the 42 days, you're drawing up this thought daily and you are practicing using it and you're expanding it and expanding the roots. And eventually by day 63, it has become part of you. You've It's a useful part of you. It's already part of you at day 21, but it's not powerful enough or strong enough yet to impact your conscious behavior and your veto power and that kind of stuff. It needs that extra time. And I stress this because people give up at day four, seven, 20. And even if you didn't know anything about what I've just said, most people can get to day four. Forget anything I've just said. Mm-hmm. Most people are pretty good at getting to day, to day four, to day seven, and then people start falling back. And another point is day 14, two weeks into change, people stop. People very seldom go beyond three weeks. And that's why people get stuck in the narrative of, and, and which generates things like overthinking and frustration and feeling stuck and losing agency and losing hope and thinking this is a waste of time and overwhelm and burnout is because people know how they, then they know the narrative because they've done this, but they haven't stabilized the narrative. So the narrative is now not happening and it'll only happen after cycles of at least one sixty-three day cycle. If you have a massive trauma that you're dealing with, and some of us, all of us have one or two, maybe three really big traumas in our life that we've had maybe that death of a loved one or uh, maybe some kind of traumatic abuse as a child or something like that or in a marriage or whatever. So there's or the workplace. So all of us have some, some people have a lot more. I'm generalizing, but we all do have a collection of very big traumas and those traumas impact all areas of our life. So as you start unpacking these traumas, you suddenly see, gosh, there's more here and you only do X amount for that amount. And then you do. So I've had some subjects, I mean, some patients of mine that spend sometimes up to two years so that would be 34 cycles because if you take 63 and you divide that by into 365 days which is a year that's around about 17 cycles i've had some patients that have done 
like 34 cycles because there were so many areas that that initial issue was so had it had virally exploded into so many areas of their life that it took a slow process of unwinding and deconstructing you can't do it all at once it's just too overwhelming so we've got to give ourselves a lot of grace so that's the big stuff then on the uh, then there's the day-to-day stuff like let's say for example you you interview me now let's say just before you interviewed me i'm just going to create a scenario this didn't happen i'm just making this up let's say that someone sent you a really awful email it was totally unfair it was really nasty there was totally i mean you were just totally innocent in this thing and there was why and it so you read that and you get this jolt in your stomach and you you know you you feel awful and you're whatever you just like and now your head's in chaos and you've got five minutes to get just together to do an interview you can apply it into those moments where you someone shouts at you or you have an argument in a meeting or and you can go through those same five steps because the five steps are how you get the wise mind talking to the 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 messy mind and co-piloting it through the process of getting the brain under control physiologically and getting the mind under control and the step-by-step sequence of the process helps regather one's thoughts and find the toxic issue even for, in even in a minute, get you to the point where you where you get to the point where okay, that's why I'm doing this. I can't solve it now. I have to go and do X. You go do X in a state where you can do X properly. Then you can come back and resolve it. So it becomes this. In other words, these carry over into the day to day stuff, which is really important. So so in other words. In summary, it's a constant process of I wanted to understand the science behind how do I capture all thoughts because the instruct it's clear that we need to capture all thoughts neuroscientifically. We can do this every 10 seconds. So the neuroscience is very clear that we can self-regulate all day long and we can self-regulate and manage the traumas that have impacted how we are showing up. We can do those as parallel functions. And that's, that's, that's in essence what I teach in the book and in the app. My uh, book, Cleaning Up Your Mind, that's my most recent. I've written lots of books, but um, this is available on our website and wherever books are sold globally, it's available everywhere. Um, and um, it's the NeuroCycle app you can get on Google and iTunes. And we're always upgrading that. And there's lots of little neuro, mini NeuroCycles in there. Like if you have a moment of panic, you can go through a five-step to help you. If your child's going through anxiety, there's a guide to help your child with anxiety. And we've got a whole lot of children's stuff coming. And if you're mm-hmm. overthinking or you're people-pleasing, you know, you catch yourself with certain patterns, you can do it. I'll give you little quick ones. And then I walk you through in the NeuroCycle app the long version as well. So you've got the mm-hmm. combination. Um, that's available, as I said, at iTunes and Google Play. I have a podcast called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. So there I teach a lot of these concepts and handle a lot of things in depth. And drleaf.com is my webpage. So great. And my I social follow- media handle, yeah. sorry, is, is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Yeah, I follow you on social media. And you provide so many just quick nuggets of wisdom and insight. They're always so affirming and encouraging, empowering. Um, kind, as you said, be kind to ourselves, yeah. give ourselves grace, but also so empowering to know that we're not just victims of our thought life. We think about, we have control over whether or not we exercise or what we eat, but I don't know that we've always thought that we have that mm-hmm. kind of control over our thoughts. So it's a very powerful process. And uh, now that I feel like I really understand it after reading Switch On Your Brain and I've read Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, I'm so looking forward to walking through the process and it encourages me to know that you still do this on a daily basis. Oh, so all that, the time. I yeah. love this. 
I live this all the time. If, if my husband and I have a little tip or something or an argument about something or get irritated because we're together 24-7, I'm very real about this. We should all be very real and authentic. It's very normal. Within seconds, I'm applying the system. So is my husband and we you mm. know, get back on track or if I get upset about something at work. Or, so I'm not saying that you don't have things because that's unrealistic because you are going to have challenges. We can't control events and circumstances. But the difference is I'm 81% more able and it's improving all the time to mm-hmm. recognize it, capture it and renew it. And that's what you're doing with this process, which is really what prayer is. Absolutely. Recognize it, capture it and renew it. And I want to just end our conversation with what I call truth that matters. And it's exactly what we've kind of been talking about today, but you've given us some very practical how to do what the scripture says. Romans 12 verse two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world or our own unique patterns that we tend to get trapped in our cycles, but be transformed transformation of our thought process of our lives by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. We were created in God's image. We were created to be loved and to love and to be known. And Dr. Leaf, you've been so generous with your time, your wisdom today. Thank you for doing. Thank you for all your 38 years of research that we are the recipients of. It's groundbreaking. And it's so important for us to know that we can change our thoughts and be in control of our thoughts. Our brain does not dictate, you know, we have power over our mind and our mental mess and, and the way we choose to believe about what has happened to us. We may not be able to change what has happened, but we can change the way we are looking at responding to reacting to those experiences. And that is a very powerful truth. And so I very excited. Yeah. <laughs> so grateful. I'm so grateful My for pleasure. your research. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, we're most grateful. I'm just going to pray for our listeners as we close our time together, Dr. Leaf. Lord, we thank you. I thank you that we are made in your image. We are made for love. We are hardwired for love. And I just thank you for Dr. Leaf, the way that you have given her such wisdom and uh, insight to be able to help us know how to do what your word tells us to do. So I thank you for every listener today who's ever felt like they were a victim of their thought life that they're, or they were labeled. Uh, God, that you've shown us today, reminded us today that we don't have to live in those cycles, God, that we are, we are not powerless over them. And I thank you for that. And uh, thank you that you love us. Help us to be kind to ourselves. Help us to give ourselves grace and to receive the love that you are giving to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.